This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. Well, today we're going to be starting a new series, uh, referencing it to full life. To, uh, if there's one thing that is so easily to be recognizable is how many Christians are living a partial life with God. You know, while sharing this with the pastor, or the, actually the elders this morning, and so many people will have this discussion, and I just call it Christian um, jargon, Christian dialogue, and we'll talk about the truth, and the truth sets you free. It's really not just the truth that sets you free, it's the presence of truth that sets you free. You can be, you can be in a, an environment like this and not get touched by God. Or you can be in an environment like this and have the presence of God in this environment and engage your life. And today we want to uh, just begin to engage this walk. We're going to be talking about uh, the, the journey that God gives us in 2 Peter. And it's in chapter 1, 2 Peter 1. So you can turn there if you would. And be, in what I would like you guys to uh, start doing is begin to start studying the word as I'm studying the word. And that we would get on the same page and that we would grow together as a family. Today we'll be uh, talking about the heroic picture that God gives us, what it calls moral excellence or uh, virtue. You know that God created us to be morally excellent, not as a law, not as something that would keep us from life, but that his life would work in, emulate and be produced through us. And so, time, so many times Christianity today is painted in a picture of what you can't have. That's what Christians are. I can't do this and I can't do that and, and then I can't have premarital sex. I, I, I can't you know, uh, go out there and party and, and, and literally get high and, and just carouse. I can't have all these um, really different affairs. I can't try this and I can't. I mean, it's all about what's being withheld from you. Isn't it interesting that's just exactly what Satan painted to Adam and Eve. Look what God's withholding one tree from you. But Christianity isn't about what you can't have. Christianity should be an exploration of who you are in Christ and all the things that God can bring in and through your life. And that Christians have, if you, if you have any children in this room right now, cover the ears, you have better sex. You have better relationships. You have a better marriage that you have a better parenting, that you have improved and that you, your life constantly grows and evolves into everything that God has for your life. And that's the way it should be painted. And yet today religion has made it ridiculous and the world has even made it even more ridiculous. And that's the reason why church isn't full. If really, if we could get to that point where we as a church would become full in God, we would be the greatest billboards for Jesus Christ. People would say, I want what you have. 
What is it that is in your life? What is it that creates your life to be not just you know, pleasant and peaceful, but victorious, joyous? I mean, you always got this dumb grin on your face. I want what's behind that grin. Okay, well, you know what, you, you want, if you want what's behind that grin, then you got to have the divine power. you got to invite that divine life inside. That's called the full life. In fact, you know, God says it very clearly. He says, you have everything that you need that pertains to this. You say, well, Pastor Ryan, then why is my life so lacking? It's because you are ignorant of everything that God has given to you. They, I would say this, you know, what? Um, I have a Prime account, I'm not very, you know, and so that means everything that basically I, it's free from Amazon. Well, let me tell you something, I have a better Prime account. It's called Heaven. And everything is free. There is no delivery charge. All I need to do is unwrap the package. All I need to be is diligent about that package. I need to go over there and not be ignorant of it. I need to be, you know, be a person that the Bible says rightly divides the word of truth, understands everything that's been freely given to me so that I will not live in lack, but I will live in the fullness that God has for my life. So then when there are symptoms of COVID or symptoms of sickness or symptoms of marital um, decay or symptoms of children going off and, and, and having suicidal tendencies, any kind of symptom, any kind of situation that's going on in my life, I know that the full life, there's, there's answers on the inside that I need to get on the outside. And that all, everything that God ever wanted for my life has already been planted on the inside of my life and I need to start having fruit on the outside. And God says, the first thing that will always be produced is moral excellence. The first thing, the Bible says, add to your faith. The Greek word is ariti, all right? And it means to have heroic excellence in your conduct. That that's what you should be. So that means when you're at your workplace and everybody else is sharing all the nasty stuff, you're not doing that. You're going, well, I got a word for you. You're sharing the word of God. You got your phone on the word of God. That's what you got on your, you know, that's the same things that you have. You don't, you, you don't have what they have, those pictures and those images. You got an image of Jesus inside your heart, and here's the image of truth that's on your phone. That means that when there's others gossiping and getting on the phone and sharing, you know, my husband is such a deadbeat, he's going over there doing this, and he's not doing this and this, this. You got an image of going, this is what my husband is. I'm praying about this in my husband. I'm believing about this about my husband. This is what God's word says about my husband. That's what you do. And then you know what will happen is you become that heroic, ariti person that others going, you know what? This is what I want to follow. I, I mean, anybody can complain. Anybody can say what is going on in their circumstances, but can somebody draw up the truth that's inside that God has planted in life and literally even want more of that truth and understanding of that truth in their life? So, 2 Peter chapter 1, would you please turn there with me? And while you're doing that, I want to challenge you. This, there's a nine-week course by Kyle Eidelman on Right Now Media. So I'm going to be doing this uh, course. I'm asking that you would do it with me. Do one a week, or you can even do more of it than that if you'd like, one a day or whatever. Um, what I like to do is I, I go over and over and over because I recognize, you know what, how Satan beats me down? He goes over and over lies. You know how God sets me free? He goes over and over truth. So for me, Kyle Eidelman would be something I go over and over and over it because every time I listen to it, I just get more out of it, kind of like the Word of God, amen? 
Second Peter chapter 1, Kyle Eidelman has a study about Peter. And in that study, it's on Right Now Media, in that study, he's going to kind of disclose what's going on in Peter's life. He's going to disclose what's going on in that time period. And you're going to understand why God put this truth inside of Peter and disclose it to the church of that day and today. And so we're going to help me. And then we're learning about 2 Peter and, uh, and while we're also learning about 1 Peter. Amen? Amen or... <laughs> So listen, can we guys, can we just together, I believe that the, the church should stand out. I believe that we should stand out and look different, be different. Be, here's, my prayer is, is, is this, I guess it's maybe not specific, but in my heart is, God, may my heart, my spirit be literally surrendered in worship to you. May my mind, God, as I get in the truth, may it be renewed to the way you think. You know, because Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree? I want to walk with you, God. I don't want to just walk and try to find you. I want to walk with you. And then God, may my behavior, may my behavior be adjusted to a conduct that literally shows who you are to my wife, to my kids, to my grandkids, to your kids. And I know that I miss it in every time in that space of my life. You know, I, I'm thankful for conviction. I'm thankful. I'm thankful when I feel that, I, you know what, I'm bad. I'm grateful for that presence of understanding. Because when I know that I blow it, I know the presence of God is in me. I'm really nervous when I don't feel that presence where I have any area in my life I need to adjust. How many of you are perfect? Raise your hand. Well, if you're not perfect, like I'm not perfect, then you should feel the conviction of God in your life that you need to adjust something. And so I'm grateful for the presence of God in my life saying, you need to adjust this, Ron. You need to get on this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory, again, that's the churchy word, it means, glory just means you're caught in his presence. It's weighty, okay? And because of his glory and excellence, he's given you great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So you have a part in this. Make every effort to respond to this. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow, listen to the promise here, the more you grow in this, the more productive and effective you will be in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus. Now we just read that if you grow in your knowledge, you'll live a godly life. So the more you grow in this, the more productive and effective. I want more productivity and effectiveness in my marriage. 
I want more productivity and effectiveness. As I get older, I want more productivity and effectiveness in this crazy body of mine. I want more productivity and effectiveness inside of my relationships with my kids as I'm driving his truck, and that's not my Ford truck in that parking space, all right? I want more product, as he's got my truck, and he gives me his truck with no fuel in it. I'm thinking, I must not be teaching this kid something right. <laughs> so anyway, I want more product and effectiveness in my relationships with my kids, my grandkids, God's kids. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. I just heard this on the radio that said that one, it says only one-third of God's kids have a budget in their life, a financial budget. That means two-thirds of everybody in this house right now doesn't, is, is, does not know how to steward their finances. Let me, I'm just going to give you this right now. The government has given you a lot of money in the last two years. It's going to stop. Okay. So you need to, right now, look at the finances that you had without the government and budget your life accordingly. And if you're not doing that, you're not being a steward. And God, God calls money of this world filthy lucre. He says, if you can't handle the filthy lucre that God calls, he says, how am I going to give you true riches? I want to give you true riches in life. He's not talking about finances. The things that come right out of heaven. He says, if you can't be a steward of this, how in the world are you going to be a steward of all that he has? Amen? But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So I've already kind of introduced you to this Greek word, ariti. And what it means is heroic faith or heroic moral excellence or heroic behavior. And many of us, when we think of the, the word heroic and that might think of, you know, Jesus on the cross. And all of that excruciating pain, looking at those who have just tortured him to death. And Jesus, from the inside, and this, we're going to get to that in a few um, few more minutes from the inside of his life not from the outside because everything on the outside is screaming pain deliver me from this moment but on the inside of his life these words come out of him he goes father forgive them for they know not what they do heroic because there's no way physically that that would come out normally but something on the inside Jesus obviously has filled himself with such a space of truth that even when he's squeezed with so much excruciating things of this world the only thing that comes out of him is truth forgive them for they know not what they do I believe that we need to be you know diligent maybe you're not being squeezed maybe you even feel like you're being squeezed. Let me tell you something. We are not underneath a real persecution yet. We're not underneath a real persecution, but it's coming. And when you get squeezed in the midst of persecution, you're going to find out what's really inside of you. So Betty, I believe that God is asking us right now to get filled with the fullness of who he is so that in that space of squeeze, what will come out of you is his divine life. And how do you start that? You start that with looking at your life and going, is my life, and I love how Pastor Jenna and the team is constantly trying to teach us, because it starts, if you want your life to have a moral, excellent space in life, it starts out with worship. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worship. That's acknowledgement that you need a divine part. You need the divine to come in your life. You realize that, there's, that this world isn't divine, even though God created it to be so. But the only thing that's divine is the new, creature, new creatures right now, that being you. You have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Number one in your study guide says this, where do you find your moral compass? Where do you find your moral compass? Well, you know, I, I'm, I know so-and-so and, and that man was just, a, you know, just a, a person who just, you know, just walked out. He never got himself into pornography. He never got himself into, uh, you know, uh, into any kind of bars and, and carousing. He just, you're looking at a man. Or, or maybe it's a sister who, who's, you know, that was always praying. There's a thing that maybe it was a sister in Christ. You just looked at her and she, you see, well, wow, she was just so morally correct. And I, I think that's great that you have heroes that are out there that you can look at. We should be that person. But the, your moral compass can't be in, in it, it's going to be corrupted if you're looking at man or a woman. You need to look at God himself, and you need to look at his truth. What is God's word? Your moral compass cannot come from this world. Because if there's anything that we have seen in this world, is that there's a moral decay. That's what we've seen in this world. There's been a moral decay. So we can't look this way for the virtue, for heroic conduct in God. The only way we can look is this way. Your eyes. Number two, is God at the finish line of your thoughts or currently in your thoughts? 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 16. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. Only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who currently handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. There's so much chatter now. There's so much ungodly chatter that goes on. So much reasoning, so much uh, perversion in when it comes down to uh, you know one side or the other side, even party wise. So much, it just and in. People aren't looking to the Lord to allow God to speak inside of their being, to, to allow the truth, get God's word inside of them. What they're doing is they're getting on so many wagons or so many different tracks of thought and somehow framing what they feel is righteousness by what someone else is tracking toward. And yet they're not even looking at what does God's word say? What is this spirit of God? What's the presence of God speaking in your life? And if you just say, Pastor Ron, I don't feel the presence of God in this space. I just, I just want to follow what's right. That's why I'm in this church. Let me tell you something. There's going to be a space of time in your life where the church is not going to have a voice in that moment where you need to hear him. We are here to train you to hear God's voice. You need to hear him. Not get it secondhand from a pulpit or even from a right now media, whatever. All of that is for is to help you and say, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a minute. You should be training your spirit man to smell, to taste, to, to touch the things that God calls precious in his sight. That's anointed. That's corrupt. 
Number three, living the full life surrenders your ideals to God morally and spiritually. I want to give you a, a stir, historical moment found in, in Samuel. Now, before we uh, share this, and it's, it's a kind of a, a lengthy passage, but before we do that, I want to give you um, a little understanding of the, the character that we're about to look at. His name is Saul. He's the first king. Uh, he's not like me at all in, in one way. He's a head taller than everybody. Definitely not me. <laughs> so, right. He's a giant of a man. Um, he's a, a, a man that, in fact, when we, when we do a little study of, of King Saul, he's also a man that, that is humble. He's good looking. And he has, he's, he's not a person who wants to put himself in front of people and go, I deserve this. He doesn't platform his life to think I deserve it. He's the exact opposite of that. In fact, the, the, the point when Samuel's about to anoint him, they can't even find him. And I always look at him, how do you not find a guy that's a head taller than everybody? But anyway, I mean, that guy's really working hard at, at hiding, you know. But he's, he's this guy. And something happens in the space of, of time. And this is, I want to share this with you as a warning because sometimes in the space of time when we become Christians or we've been around Christianity for a season in our life, and all of a sudden what happens is we begin, to make, we, we begin to make excuses for our conduct instead of adjustments more to his holiness. And Saul does this. All of a sudden now, he, you know, there's these pressures and, and he begins to, instead of getting his, his picture of what he's supposed to do this way, he gets his picture of what he's supposed to do this way. And isn't that a temptation for all of us? I mean, who doesn't want to be liked? Who doesn't want to be accepted? Who doesn't want to have an acknowledgement in the space of wherever you are, just that somebody respects you or loves you? Who doesn't want that? I mean, I do, of course. But this can't be your lead. This can't be. This has to always be. You, it's not, you need to have the presence of his truth, the presence of his Holy Spirit in your life. And somewhere in the space of time, we're going to read where Saul lost that where the presence of being a man pleaser or having men and women accept him became more important than God's just literally for God's um, space of obedience and you know when you read the Bible and you're reading it and God and God says to you that you know that you're you're literally supposed to be um, morally excellent or, or or virtuous in your walk and you don't have any conviction, every person in this room should be convicted. Because we live in such a, a, a decayed moral world. I'm convicted. And I'm going, God, I don't even know, you know, I mean, have I become, if I gotten this, this water that's so hot and lost that it's boiling with sin, help me to see what you see. Help, help me, God, to know what puts you, Jesus, on that cross? Because that's what sin is. And, and sin is just not doing things God's way. It's doing things your way. So let's read this passage together. Saul, and how did he, and somewhere we should be looking at it and going, how, how did this man lose his, his path? How did he lose his way? Verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I re really greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. 
So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you, O Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. They, here's, here's what Saul's doing. He's blaming others around him. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to me, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you are little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? Did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission. He said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, to fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on your spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord has sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder. Again, blaming the people. Sheep and oxen, the best of the things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as he has in obeying the voice of the Lord? What is the mission? Hear God's voice and obey it. Has God in, in, in got great delight in your Sunday attendance, your small group leadership, you're playing the keyboard in the worship team. You ushering. Or does God have it where you want to get in the space of hearing God and obeying Him? Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Are we not living in that generation today? If Facebook isn't a platform for the fear of people, I don't know what it is. Everybody's afraid to speak the truth. Everybody's afraid to feel, and even their own convictions. And I'm not against Facebook. That's not what I'm saying. And as Samuel turned and turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe in verse 27. So Samuel said to him, Lord, has torn the kingdom of Israel, torn from you today, and has given it to the neighbor of yours. Who is better than you? And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. And then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. See the same, what's inside of Saul? All he cares about is how people see him. That is our culture of our world today. All people care about, not that they can hear God's voice, not that God's word is changing them, not that they feel the presence of truth or the presence of God, not that they're longing for more of the Holy Spirit in their life. All they care about is, do you think I'm okay? Do you think I'm a Christian? Do you think I'm okay, Pastor Ron? 
Am I, am, am I, am I going to be, is it going to come out okay? And then we're looking and we're, all we're doing is feeding off each other just like King Saul did instead of being present with God. To him only do I serve. To him only do I worship. To him only is what's ma- what really matters. And so my wife can tell me I'm a great husband or she can tell me I'm a terrible husband. But what does God say about me being a husband? To him only. And are you hearing his voice? Well, Pastor, it just seems to be really quiet. I get in that space right now and I don't hear his voice. Why do you think that every single service that we create this cultured environment so you can come to the time with the elders and hear God's voice? It's not because we were bored and we got nothing to do. It's because we're trying to help you, assist you. My job is to create an environment where you can hear his voice. When I get to heaven, I am not going to be held accountable whether you succeeded or you didn't succeed. But I will be accountable. Did I create a space where you could hear his voice? Did I work hard and be diligent? Or did I be like King Saul and all I did is, you know what, well, I'm here and I got this platform and the church is full, the church isn't full or whatever, and I fed off the attendance. Whether there's one here or thousands. It doesn't matter. What God matters is, are are you diligent to hear? Are you here? When we started this church, we started this church and that was the vision. Can you hear God's voice? Can you? And you know what? Are you humble enough to say you can't? That's okay. Start there. I love it where it says, when King Saul, it says, when you were little in your own eyes. That's not bad. God anointed him king. God had saw him who he was supposed to be when he was little in his own eyes. You know the thing that you should be nervous about? Is when all of a sudden you get in that space, you think you're not little in your own eyes. And all of a sudden you look around and go, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. I'm pretty good, I did that, I did that. Well, maybe all those things are great and accomplishments. And I think it's great to, to look at what God has done in through your life. But you should always be looking, and I'll tell you how I know the presence of God is in my life. When I look at it and go, there is so much farther to go. I've got so far to go to be what God has called me to be. I have just seemed like, I feel like I'm just getting in that space and I'm so excited about tomorrow. Number four, your conduct in your life matters. How you live outside shows who lives inside. How you live outside shows who lives inside. 1 Corinthians 6, 17-20 said this, But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's why we want to worship. We want to be one. You know, they, they, they say a great marriage is a, a marriage that's praised together. I would say there's two ways to be intimate. Intimate with your marriage is in the, the bedroom, and intimate with your marriage is in prayer. Those two spaces where you can be, have a spiritual connection. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Your body is a temple of God. Do you not know that you are bodies, a temple of the Holy Spirit, and who is, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a... 
Thank you. Can we say that with some? <laughs> so I get what you're saying. You were bought with a, a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor with him. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 to 17. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. People will look at you when you say, look, I, wanna, I want my life to emulate. I want my life to express. I'm gonna, when I have my break hours, I'm reading, I'm reading my Bible. And you're going to be persecuted for that. Oh, you'd be, you know, I, I remember when I was working at Steelcase, and uh, I would get, you know, all these little slogans and stuff, and they would go, oh, there's Preacher Boy. I wasn't a preacher at all. I was just in my Bible at work. And I realized that everywhere I went, there was images, there was slogans, there was all kinds of nasty, culturally crazy stuff that was going on around me that I thought, you know what, I'm not going to just alienate myself from that. I want to literally be an expression of who he is around that. I didn't hide that I was listening to tapes and teaching. They could hear them. They got their music blasting or whatever else blasting. I had my teaching tapes blasting. I know I'm talking about tapes. I'm dating myself. Don't care. (laughs) I can date myself. But there's a reason, reason why my life is taken on the shape of Christ. It's because when I'm young in the Lord, I recognize the importance of his truth in my life. And I still recognize the importance of my truth. I'm still leading you to right now, media, because that's where I'm leading myself. I'm still leading you into the word of God because that's where I'm leading myself. I can't lead you where I don't go. And it's time for us to recognize we need to get the truth. How many of you get beat down with, don't raise your hand right now, but the devil goes over there and beats you down with a lie and a lie and a lie. You just want to go, leave me alone. Well, why, where do you think he learned that? God wants that truth to get inside, get inside, inside of your heart. And your nature on the inside literally pushes against it. Press into the high call of God. Press through all that nonsense. God, I'm, I receive it. And then you, you, you don't. I receive it. You sin. I receive it. And all of a sudden you do the exact opposite. I receive it. Let me tell you something. It's going to take some time because there's going to be some passages. Some going out. Some coming in. Some going out. Some coming out. And eventually as you keep going through that passage, you keep pressing into all God has. The next thing you know, his holiness resides inside of you. And it was worth every bit of that effort in your life. Because then you'll emulate who he is. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. And you know the biggest persecution you'll find is in your own life. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving, being deceived. But for you, continue what you've learned and to become convinced of. Because you know that from this you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture, say it with me, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Number five, our, um, our scripture for this series tells us that we are add to moral excellence, virtue, heroic behavior to your faith. That means this, if you just get saved, or you've been saved for 20, 30 years, what are you adding to your faith? Well, Pastor, I, I didn't really think. The Bible says that every one of you have been given a measure of faith. 
each and every one of you have been given a measure of faith. And God expects you to work out that faith, to work out that salvation, to begin to be diligent in everything that he has so that his divine nature will take root. He put it inside of you. But he's expecting you to work it out in and through you, renewing your mind, getting your bodies to be the holy temple that he's called you to be. And say, Pastor, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number six, first, seek God. We're about to close. Seek God. I like how uh, Saul gives us a picture of how not to seek God. Seeking God is the space where your humility and I find this even in relationships. If you're struggling in your marriage, you know what your, your mind goes, you highlight what she's doing wrong or what he does wrong. You know what God wants you to do? Highlight what you're doing wrong. Humble yourself. And so in this space, you know, and, and I love it because Jesus gives us this parable of prayer and, and this one uh, Pharisee just goes, I thank God that I'm not like that, and I'm not like that, and I'm not like that. And then this, you know, basically this uh, tax collector goes, he just goes, God, I'm a sinner. How many of you are sinners? Well, I'm in a good crowd. He can't judge me. All right. <laughs> all right. We're all sinners. Okay. Here's the point. How should you approach God? You should approach God. I'm, I am sorry. I am sorry. How should you approach your marriage? I'm sorry. God gives more grace to the humble. Well, that means the exact opposite. He resists or holds back grace to the proud. So humble yourself. Seek God. Get on your knees. Find in that place where your heart is aching and broken for more of God. Find that and realize that you have a long ways to go. Second, renew your mind. Renew your mind. God, I, study the Bible. What does God say about marriage? Don't look culturally. I, I remember trying to look. I remember when I was struggling with, with a, a conduct of sin in my life, and there were different, uh, you know, uh, this is basically, I'm just going to be real. Sexually activity before marriage. And I remember looking at, look, trying to find Christian information to literally, you know, uh, say that what I was doing or wanted to do was okay. And you know, you can find all kinds of lies. You can find all kinds of information, especially even now, it's even more so. And it's, but my heart was saying, stop. Why are you going? In fact, I try to teach my staff. If you're always looking for the boundary of what you, you know, as far out as you can get what's right from wrong, what you're doing is saying you're turning your back because God's way over there. You're turning your back on God and saying, look, I just really want to see how far I can take this so that you're okay with it. Or do you want to get in the presence of God and God goes, yeah, we already know this is something we're not supposed to be, you know what, I got something better for your life. I want to fill your life. I'm not withholding from your life. Get rid of that lie. Come back to this space where I'm present in your truth and I'll give you strength to overcome and I have an appointment. Do you realize how many of you get excited for some appointments in your life? Okay, the other day, I just, just tell you, when I, I was excited about watching a movie. It was Kong versus Godzilla dumbest movie I ever saw in my life. 
I can't take the time back. Lost. But I was excited about it. I made Brenda go to it. She had nothing. She wanted nothing to do with it. I said, I, I mean, I painted this thing. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. And I've done this for you. You need, you need to do this for me. All right? And so we went to go see that. I mean, honestly, I just sit there and watch it. And I'm going, I'm, and I'm not trying to talk you out of it. Probably am doing that. But anyway, I just, when I got done with it, I was like, I have nothing. I just looked at her. Sorry. You know, and point is, is that I can't take that back. Do you understand? It's done. And here's the thing what I've learned about Jesus. Jesus allows me a cleansing. That I can't get in the Lord. He allows me to be cleansed, to be renewed, to get in that space where I don't deserve it, but he will bring me back to it. Seek God. Renew your mind to truth. Third, fast. Fast means this. Fast does not mean from just food. Fast can mean from any kind of activity. Coffee. You could fast um, intimacy. You could fast a different space. You know, you could go over there and say, you know what, I'm going to give the 30 minutes that I normally do in getting myself ready or whatever, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take this fast and I'm going to add, I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier and I'm going to give this to God, this space. And I'm just going to get quiet and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to learn. You say, well, pastor, I don't even know what that looks like. I'm glad that you're learning this because I'm going to tell you something. You can get on that step. And every, if you're diligent in taking the space to give him, he will appoint you. He's got God-given appointments for your life. And many of us are never in that space because we're, we know that what's happening is all we're doing is living disappointed. You're, all you're thinking is consumed with disappointments instead of being living this full life with God's appointments. And last of all, fourth is take this time of praying. Get in that space of prayer. Well, what is prayer? Prayer is quiet in the presence of God. You say, well, how do you get to that space? Well, I first have to get rid of all the noise. If I'm struggling in my marriage, I give it, my marriage to God. Say, God, it's probably a lot me, and I'm sorry. I give that so that I'm not mindful of my marriage as I pray. My kids, I'm not mindful of my kids. My finances, or maybe struggling with some kind of physical ailment, Whatever that is, because I don't want to be mindful. The Bible says, when you're, basically it says, when your spirit is praying, your mind is empty. So I want to be connected with my spirit. And sometimes that just is one minute of that space. But that one minute was literally fuller than the 30 minutes of the noise in my prayer time. If I could just get rid of, take, spend 30 minutes and unload the noise, cast all my care, cast all the noise off, and then it had 30, then I just had even a minute of his presence of peace and letting it come in. Man, that space is so rewarding. I go, God is present in my life. What could I ever be afraid of? 
What could never, I mean, if I know that that presence is there, what am I nervous about? Why am I scared? Because I know that he is present with my life, and that is what I need every day of my life. That, the Bible says, I love it, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. What he's saying is the presence of God's word in your life. Jesus would go often away to get in the presence of his Father. That's what, if I could lead you to do anything, I'd ask you to do that. And then from that space, obey. Because he'll say, stop watching so much TV. Spend more time with the wife. Or he'll say, you know what? Um, Go a little lighter on that. I remember when God just said, you need to start taking vitamins. You're not getting it out of your food. I remember seeking God about my body, and I, wasn't, I was struggling with health. He says, you need to do this, and I obeyed. I remember when I had arthritis symptoms, and he goes, you need to go do this. Take protein and do this. I didn't get that by just complaining about the pain that was in my ankle. I got that by unloading and saying, this hurts. And I know this isn't your full life. This is not your plan for my life. What am I not hearing? Help me. And it took a space of time to get rid of the noise. And like Saul, well, I've done 95% of it right. Why are you picking on the five? And God goes, I want 100 proof in your life. Get rid of the noise. And you get rid of the noise and all of a sudden God speaks. And you know what? When it's 100 proof, well, you have a testimony of who God is in your life. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we want to be a reti. We want to be heroic in our conduct to you. Not, Lord, so that we can look self-righteous, because we can't. Only through you, in you we live, in you we move, in you we have true being. Cleanse me, God, of my sin. Cleanse us of our sin. Things that we're knowingly or unknowingly doing, God, that keeps us from the presence of who you are and the truth of who you are. Jesus, we give it to you at the cross. Thank you. Thank you for that. We receive that forgiveness and cleansing. We receive the presence. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. And Holy Spirit, you want this more than we do. You lust and desire for more of our life and walk. You want to give this fullness. This was already handed out from heaven from the Father, and you have the package all ready for us. God, teach us how to hear you so we can literally unwrap that package little by little and be all that you've called us to be. Show us the way, Lord Jesus. I want you all to stand up, and we're going to pray together. Then we're going to worship together. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Learn to pray this in, in, or some form of this. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I give you my life. It's not much, but it's yours, God. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your hope and your Holy Spirit in my life. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Give me the strength to adjust my life to your truth. 
that I may be everything that you've called me to be. Your full life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship our God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.